Welcome to the second presentation of week 6 of Counseling 506. Now we will look more carefully at the therapeutic uses of prayer for psychological and spiritual health. We noted in the first segment that all Christian counselors are praying people. So our challenge is to discern the best ways to pray with and for our clients. There is the belief in a Trinitarian relationship in Christian counseling. This is the powerful truth that God is always the third party in what we do. It is God who provides all healing and who speaks through our prayers to connect with the client. So we acknowledge that all healing comes from God as we pray, whether we are praying outside of sessions for clients, praying within counseling sessions, or using prayer as homework. Prayer is also an openness, an attitude of receptivity. Remember in the previous lecture that prayer is both a request and the ability to receive God's answer to that request? Prayer is also discernment. Sometimes we can be so obsessed with rationality and thinking and logic that we often forget that there are other forms of discernment. People use forms of intuitional and imaginative discernment, but God also provides Christians with prayerful discernment. Prayer can be a strong way to discern many aspects of life that elude our logical abilities. Willard writes that prayer is also an adventure from false certainty to true uncertainty. It sounds strange, but think for a moment about people you know who have been absolutely positive about certain facts in their lives that turn out to be false or misreadings about what really happened. Or they have faith in a can't-miss stock or a business deal and end up losing their investment. But in prayer, we move from those types of false certainties in the material life to the true uncertainties of the spiritual life. The paradox we have is that the greatest certainty we can have is faith in God, which is an uncertainty because we do not know all the details and timing in the way that God will choose to work. Prayer is intimacy with God and others. Theophan the Recluse developed a simple diagram many years ago. He drew in the sand a circle with lines running from the outside edge to a point in the center of the circle. Picture in your mind what a bicycle wheel looks like. He pointed out to his disciples that this diagram is the way in which our relationship with God works. As we move from our lives on the outside edge of the wheel on one of the lines or spokes towards God as the hub in the center we're drawn closer to other people, the other spokes on the wheel. You cannot move towards the hub in the center, or God, without moving closer to others. So as we develop intimacy with God, we also develop intimacy with other people. There are many ways this happens, but prayer is one of the most powerful ways for this to take place. Let's review McMinn's map for counseling again, in which he focuses on helping clients to develop a healthy sense of self, a healthy sense of need, 
and a healthy openness to healing relationships. But now, apply this map to prayer and counseling. When we're focusing on a healthy sense of self in a client, we're helping people to move beyond their self-absorption to focus on God. People who are depressed or going through times of real self-doubt are often drawn into being self-absorbed, only able to see themselves in their situation. However, this is in essence a negative form of pride. As Proverbs 3.34 reminds us, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. To be humble is to turn our focus away from ourselves and look to God to provide for us in ways that we cannot do so. Do you remember that phrase from an earlier lecture regarding Nowen's book, Reaching Out, when he talks about moving from illusion to prayer? Prayer helps each of us with our negative sense of self by breaking through the illusions of our immortality. We have these illusions that we're going to live forever or that we're different from other people. Prayer helps us to see that our dependence in life is ultimately on God because He is the pathway to our authentic intimacy. Now there are some cautions regarding prayer that we need to keep in mind in the healthy development of self. Our goal in counseling is not to make clients dependent on us but to help them seek to become dependent on God. For instance, if we are the one who always prays in the counseling session, we may inadvertently create the image that we are the intercessor for the client, creating dependency issues. We can also feed inferiority issues if we're always praying and the client feels second-rate when they pray because of their lack of experience in praying out loud. This can also occur when we run into the paradox of trying to draw the client out in prayer, but it actually makes them more uncomfortable, and then they withdraw from us. Developing a healthy sense of need in individuals is enhanced through prayer. Another therapeutic paradox is that in order to begin to heal, we have to become aware of our brokenness. We have to realize that the way we've been trying to help ourselves is never going to work. So we need a power greater than ourselves. We need God in our lives. Jesus used an example of this dynamic when he told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in the book of Luke. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Why, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It is that kind of helplessness that can be found in true prayer. Helplessness in prayer is an openness to God. Also, as we pray, we begin to build a true and healthy self-confidence 
based upon our confidence in God. Remember Jesus' words in the seventh chapter of Matthew. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. We can have a powerful confidence in the reliability of God's character that when we have a need, God has an answer. Through prayer, we can help our clients to catch a vision that God has for their lives. We can help them move from their grandiosity and self-centeredness to catch the real vision that God has for them. Now the caution here is to help clients to avoid wallowing in their guilt and shame. It is imperative to work with them on issues of forgiveness, both that of forgiving others and receiving forgiveness. It is also important to avoid the pitfall of magical thinking, that if people would just pray in the right way, they will get what they want, when they want it, on their timing and on their terms. As a final caution, it is quite easy to fall into using prayer as a motivational pep talk to help people feel momentarily better. And while prayer does help make us feel better, we need to help clients understand that the real purpose of prayer is to connect with God. Now let's look at how prayer affects our healing relationships. When we pray in ways that are appropriate to a client's level of development, it creates a healthier, more biblically accurate view of God. It also draws attention to God as the only agent of transformation. Remember that in an earlier presentation we spoke about inside-out change? Well, specifically, prayer helps us to change our attitudes that are upward toward God, attitudes that are outward towards other people, and attitudes that are inward towards ourselves. Cautions in this area are really a reminder about the dangers of dependency and concerns about breaching boundaries. Because prayer is an intimate activity, we also want to be very careful in terms of physical contact with clients when we pray. A final caution is that the focus of prayer should always fall on God, not the counselor. On the next several slides are a number of forms of prayer, but note that the order in which they are listed is very intentional. The list starts with forms of prayer that pose the least risk and moves to those forms that can have the most risk when used in counseling. Now what is meant by risk? Here we're talking in terms of prayer having a downside of the possibility of creating negative consequences such as dependency or of fracturing the therapeutic relationship or breaching a boundary or prayer used to bully clients. For example, if you have a client who is not ready to pray in a deeply intense way and yet you are insisting that they do so, this can be an unethical decision on your part. So let's look at these forms of prayer. Certainly the counselor can pray outside of sessions for every client and we don't need their permission to pray for them. As a matter of fact, sometimes the client who would not understand and who would not give permission 
may be the one who most needs prayer. Using this mode of prayer also allows us to intercede or pray for discernment about how to understand this client or how the Lord might want us to work with them. And we can also pray for ourselves that we get a deeper compassion if we're dealing with a client where we are struggling with a spirit of condemnation or feeling judgmental. We also have the ability to pray silently in the session. One of the great fears, usually for those who are new to counseling, is what to do with silence in a session. The tendency is to rush in and feel we have to say something. It is much better to let silence do its work and to use that time to pray for your client. A third way is to use prayer as homework by encouraging them to meditate outside of the counseling sessions. We spoke about this earlier, and this can be a very helpful way of teaching people who are dealing with anxiety or despair or compulsions to learn how to meditate in a way that is not only physically and psychologically relaxing, but in a way that creates an open door to the heart for their Lord. Meditation and imagery in the session is riskier, but yet another way to use prayer. It offers opportunities for the healing of emotions, for forgiveness to take place under the direction of the therapist, and as a way to specifically work with thought restructuring. Praying the scriptures is a method of using the Bible to help clients claim specific promises that build confidence in the character of God. But we do need to teach them that God's timing is not their timing. And the last form of prayer is intercessory prayer in the session. Here's where we pray specifically with the client for their healing, for the therapeutic relationship, and to ask God to be the one to change and to heal. I hope these presentations on prayer and counseling have been helpful to you, and I encourage you to review these slides again for more insights.